0: This is episode 231 with running coach, certified strength and conditioning specialist, and doctor of physical therapy, Victoria Seckley. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode features a rare returning guest, one of our most popular from 2020, Dr. Victoria Sekely. Victoria took their career path that I might've taken in another life. She's a running and strength coach, as well as a physical therapist. Her knowledge base is enormous, and she uses the many perspectives from these credentials and experiences to help runners stay healthy healthy and improve. And in this conversation, we're exploring the role of bodyweight strength training for runners, how to make sure you keep improving with them, her favorite exercises, and a lot more. For even more on strength training for runners, including more advanced weight training, go to strengthrunning.com strength. If you're new to the podcast, you can expect even more training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space My goal is to elevate your thinking about the sport, help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on how to structure your weekly mileage, my favorite form drills, core and strength routines, and more. Go to youtube.com strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog with topics as varied as the top mistakes runners make in the weight room, why you've hit a performance plateau, and more. You'll also find our free email courses on strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and others. Plus, the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. This episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker, one of the most reputable blood testing companies in the world. They test dozens of biomarkers so you know if there are any red flags with your physiology that might be hampering your running. Then they give you science backed recommendations to improve anything that might be outside of your personal optimal range. Get 25% off any of their blood tests with code STRENGTHRUNNING at insidetracker.com STRENGTHRUNNING. The code is STRENGTHRUNNING, no space, and you can see all the details and all the different types of tests they offer at insidetracker.com STRENGTHRUNNING. I also want to thank M. Butcher for their review of the podcast. They wrote, quote, one of my favorite podcasts. I love that he talks about both men and women in running, love the content and all of the Canadians he has on the show. End quote. Well, Butcher, I recognize that both men and women run, and this show is for all runners. And I especially wanted to bring this review up today, since our guest, Victoria, is in fact a Canadian. So I hope that this episode continues to wet your whistle for Canadian talent. And speaking of Victoria Sekely, I'm very excited that she's here today. She was a varsity tennis player at Georgetown University before getting her doctorate of physical therapy at NYU. She's a USATF certified running coach, a certified strength and conditioning specialist by the National Strength and Conditioning Association, a doctor of physical therapy, a certified kinesio taping practitioner, and a runner herself. Our conversation today focuses on our new theme for this month bodyweight strength training. The last two videos on our YouTube channel have been about bodyweight strength training, and I plan to go into more detail about how to take your bodyweight training to the next level. In this discussion, Victoria and I are talking about the many reasons why this type of strength work is so valuable for endurance runners, how you can get started if you haven't yet, the value of progression, and numerous ways to get more from bodyweight exercises, plus her top five. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Victoria Seckley. Victoria, thank you for coming back on the podcast for a second time. I'm so excited to connect with you again.
1: I'm so happy to be here. We had so much fun the first time, so it had to be done.
0: (laughs) Yes. Now that was episode 135 for our listeners who want to check that out. We talked a little bit more about injuries and how to avoid them, which is always a hot topic. But today we're going to go down the rabbit hole of bodyweight strength training for runners. And I know that. As a physical therapist and a strength coach, you also conduct regular strength workshops for runners through your Instagram account. And I'd love to hear a little bit more on why, based on the fact that you are a certified strength coach, you're a physical therapist, you're a certified running coach, based on all that, why are you so excited about these kinds of workouts for runners? Because you promote them pretty heavily, as do I, and I'd love to hear your take on that.
1: Yeah, I think it all honestly comes down to accessibility, right? When it comes to runners and strength training, it's just something that runners don't really like to do. So when I originally came up with the runners workshop, it was a way to make runners feel like they could do some form of strength training and not make it feel like it was this whole thing where they had to go to the gym. They already don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, And you know, really make it feel like a community through Instagram. So that's that's really how it started. I wanted runners to feel like it's not this scary thing of strength training. It's actually pretty easy and it doesn't have to take too long. So it's more accessible. Um, it's free on my Instagram and it's just, I, I've been enjoying it so much and I and I hope that all of the runners have been as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's really great that you led with accessibility because I know that for me as a runner, you know, my personal story is that I love running. I don't really like strength training. And that often comes as a surprise for a lot of folks to hear. It's like the strength running guy doesn't really like strength training. Look, I'm a runner and I would rather be out there logging some miles than in the gym. But I also recognize how important this work is. And I think I'm so bullish on it because it simply enables me to do more of what I love. And that's going out and run trails and try to improve on my PRs and all the things that us runners really love. And you know, I think a lot of the times, runners think that they do have to get into the weight room to get in an effective strength workout. And while I do firmly believe that weight training, actually lifting some heavy weight, is part of what I'll call an ideal strength program. That's not to say that you can't get immense benefits from a lot of very simple bodyweight exercises. Can we talk about what runners can expect from a benefits perspective from only body weight exercises, and maybe we can include some super light implements, like you have a medicine ball or a single kettlebell lying around, you know, what can we expect from that kind of work?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, everyone's got to start somewhere. And specifically, when we're talking about runners, there are very few recreational runners who are ready to handle the load of heavier weights and all of those kinds of things. I would also say to that aspect of those, I'm making two points here. My first point is someone's has to start somewhere. And then my second point is that it depends on what type of training you're adding in your training gear, right? Training comes in cycles. So yes, I think heavy lifting is very important for runners to do. And there are times that runners should also scale it back. So it's, it's again, coming back to like, yeah, runners can do all sorts of strength training, body weight, heavy lifting, they can all be beneficial. And it really depends on where they're at personally and what time of year they're at in their training program. So it, in the first sense, um, it's beneficial for runners to start just learning the basics of strength training, right? And that's really where body weight comes in is learning to control the motion, understanding your form and honestly getting comfortable with those exercises. That's how body weight can really benefit you as a runner. Now, when we're talking about different seasons in running, I'm not necessarily going to have someone lifting 200 pounds in a a back squat when they have a race in three weeks, you know? So it really, you have to kind of have that flexibility and allow for that in order to really get the maximum benefits out of strength training. And it includes everything, body weight and heavy weights. Um, And I think it's important for runners to know that, both can be beneficial at different times.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I think it's great that they can both be beneficial while at the same time, one of them is so much more accessible and you can do it in the privacy of your own home. You don't have to go hang out with the gym bros who are deadlifting crazy amounts of weight. (laughs) I love how you talk first and foremost about control and about form. Because I think a lot of the times when we talk about strength training, We talk about getting stronger because obviously that is one of the obvious benefits of strength training. You're going to get a little bit stronger. And if you do it consistently and you're strategic about it, you're probably going to get a lot stronger. But the element of control, I find very fascinating because running isn't as much of a technical skill sport as some other sports. And whenever we can work on a little bit more skill, coordination, balance, proprioception, understanding how your body is moving in space. I think those are really valuable skills from an injury prevention perspective. And also just becoming a better athlete helps you run faster as well. You can not only spend more time training because you're not as injured as frequently, but you can probably push the effort a little bit more in your training because you're a little bit more resilient. And can you talk a little bit more about this issue of, You know, control and understanding what your body is capable of, and maybe how that might translate to improvement with your running.
1: Absolutely, and I actually like the word control better than I do form because I think there's two separate things that we're talking about here, and especially now when you go on social media, you'll you'll see some people post about like, oh, there's the perfect form for a squat, there's the perfect form for a deadlift, and I don't, I mean, while there is good form, I don't think there is one perfect way to run. There's not one perfect way to squat. There's not one perfect way to deadlift. So when I say form, I mean, I more mean getting most comfortable with a form that works for you, that makes the exercise effective. So that really comes down to control. Are you able to do the exercise the way that you'd like to, controlling the motion, using your muscular strength in order to get through that exercise. So, so I do think it's kind of nuanced there because I don't like the idea of athletes and runners getting this in their head. Like I need to run with perfect form. I have to squat with perfect form in order to do it. Cause then again, that takes away the accessibility of the exercise. Runners don't want to squat cause they're scared of doing it wrong and hurting themselves. And that's, again, I guess I should have mentioned this. I didn't even think of this in the last question, but the benefit of starting out with body weight is there's a very low risk of injury when you're just kind of playing around with the movement and not adding any heavy weights and just learning what your body is capable of and what the right form is for you for that exercise. And that's, I think, the most important aspect um, of learning these exercises. And I honestly forgot your question. I went on this fridge. <laughs> what was I answering? You guys <laughs>
0: I actually want to stick with this rant for just a minute before we get to the second part because i I think it's super valuable for runners to hear. Number one, that there isn't a perfect way to do a squat or a deadlift or many of the other exercises that I'm sure we're going to be talking about later because you know we all have unique anatomies and different biomechanics. and I was talking with a strength coach a while back, and he was saying, You know, look, if you're trying to do a squat and the way that your femur sits in your hip socket is very different than someone else, you fundamentally have to squat in a different way. And it very much reminds me of seeing, you know, a, a bunch of internet people get really upset that some Olympic runner was pronating like crazy as he was like sprinting around the track. And, you know, the, the smart coaches who were commenting on this was like, look, this guy doesn't get injured he's also an Olympian. He is by definition, one of the best runners in the world. And to say he's over pronating, which I don't really even like that term, is is, is just kind of hilarious because he's running in a way that works for his body. And he might just have very flexible ankles and that results in more pronation, but he's strong enough to handle it. And he certainly can develop uh, and produce a lot of power on the track.
1: And that actually comes back to exactly what we're saying. I bet you he can control that pronation better than most runners can, right? So it's not even the act of pronating that is a problem. It's can we control it? Can it work for us? And what we're like, can we take that pronation and make it a springy bounce into that next step, right? And clearly he can do that really well. And that's all we care about, right? Who cares what it looks like? if you do it really well and you're able to do it. So I think that that's really what it comes down to. Um, and yeah, in, in that same sense, in terms of the exercises and when we're looking at perfect form with squats and with deadlifts, we want to make sure that the athlete knows the benefit of the exercise. That's all I care about is, do you know why you're doing this and how it relates to running You know, if we're talking to runners specifically, why is this going to benefit you as a runner? And I feel like as soon as they realize that they're able to correct whatever they need to correct in their body to make it work for them and therefore improve their running stride. And that's kind of how it comes back to, you know, everyone's body is different. But at the same time, we all have that end goal of we want to improve our power and our stride. We want to get faster and we want to, you know, reduce our risk of injuries.
0: This discussion reminds me of, you know, I used to catch some flack because I overpronate and I have very flexible ankles and and one foot's a little bit more of a pronating foot than the other one and the other thing that comes with having Fairly flexible ankles and and a decent amount of pronation is that I have never strained or sprained my ankle despite rolling it all the time on the trails. So, if there is anybody listening who is a little bit upset with their personal mechanics, it's not all bad. There's usually a silver lining to even what some might consider an inefficient movement pattern. Now, Victoria, the second part of the question was. How does this control that I think is, is really important, how does it actually help runners? And you kind of touched on that a little bit with talking about, you know, y- if you understand the benefit of the movement that you're doing, you understand the goal, then you can better fine tune that movement so that you can achieve that goal. But if runners are doing all the strength work, they understand the goals of it, they're really working on that control. What could they expect to happen on the running side of things?
1: Uh, Great question. And I honestly think that the the word that answers that is efficiency, right? So we're not going for running form perfection. We're looking to make ourselves as runners more efficient. With efficiency comes, you know, you're saving your energy. You're able to run longer. You're able to run faster. Not only that, when you become more efficient, you reduce your risk of injuries because you're able to run in a way that is better for your body. Right. So that's what you can expect to see when you're doing exercises and working on controlling that motion. Basically, an example would be, you know, in a single leg squat. Let's make it single leg because single leg is always more running specific. Our quad muscle and our hamstrings are working to control the knee bending. Right. If we take that specific knee bending and we look at it when we're running, right? We land, our knee bends a little bit, our knee extends a little bit. If we work on that specific control, we get better at doing that during our stride. But there is to say there's a little bit sometimes of disconnect when you just do single leg squats and you just run, right? You kind of have to start to work on, you know, moving from the single leg squat to make it a little bit more into single leg hopping, right? And then become even more and more running specific, going into running drills. And that's how you ultimately make the connection. So it starts with the regular squat, then it moves into the single leg squat, then it becomes, you know, more and more, but you can't do it without starting from the beginning, right? I wouldn't tell a completely new person in strength training to just do a bunch of single leg squats right off the bat. So you want want it to start with control and then end with Becoming more running specific and inherently making yourself more running efficient.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of improving your running economy because that's always a a very sexy idea for runners. You know, like we want to (laughs) run that 10 miles, but maybe have it feel like we only ran eight or nine miles. And that just makes me feel great as a runner. And, And I think the other aspect of efficiency is. You get more efficient with your training in, in a more general sense because you likely are preventing some more injuries. If you're working on your strength, if you're working on your ability to control your body, if your running economy has improved, your risk of injury is going to decrease. And, and I always say that the best way to create a motivated, driven runner is just to have them be able to run consistently because then they're going to start to experience progress then they're going to get hooked on that progress. And they're not going to have to deal with the negative emotions of being injured. So I, I think that aspect of body weight strength training, I think is really attractive. And I think some of my first introductions to bodyweight strength work was because I was a fairly injury prone college athlete, and I was always going to the trainer, I was seeing physical therapists outside of when I was at school. And, and I started doing a lot of these exercises. And I realized that, you know, wow, many of the exercises that we talk about now from a strength perspective that we prescribe as coaches are very similar to what you might do in your office as a physical therapist. And, and I'd love to talk about you know, the difference between rehabilitation and prehab or prehabilitation uh, because a lot of these exercises are exactly the same. So how do you think about the two and, and what we're doing with these strength exercises?
1: Yeah, so ultimately the goal in physical therapy is to right, not just work specifically on the pain that you're having, but once you have passed that point, I think what happens is rehab ultimately becomes prehab again, right? So when some, uh, when a runner comes to see me, I obviously we work to alleviate their symptoms. We want them to get back to running. But eventually we're going to look at this and say, okay, what do we do if this pain comes up again? Or how do we prevent this pain from happening again? And you should always have some kind of, you know, plan from your physical therapist once you've gone through rehab, where you feel confident that you can manage this moving forward. So I think that's kind of where rehab and prehab, they meet each other, really, at the end of physical therapy is when I start to prescribe when those exercises seem similar, hey, keep doing these exercises to reduce your risk of injury of this injuring again. So that's kind of where I see them t- coming together. And that's probably why you're going to see a lot of the same exercises. But at the same time, there are certain exercises that just work, right? What we're looking for in terms of treating runners is we want them to be ready to handle the loads of running. And there are, you know, the very basic exercises are going to be able to accomplish that. So you don't have to do all of these fancy exercises in rehab, you just kind of have to load the muscle, get the joint feeling happy. And that's the same idea in prehab. So it really, you're going to see a lot of, of, of similarities in that sense. And that's kind of why it's, it's a little bit sad that, um, you know, with our healthcare system, there isn't much coverage in terms of insurance with prehab, because if people would understand what to do from the beginning, we could avoid the entire pain part of, of the journey. So That is that's also why I started my Instagram page, too, is like, let's get going. Even with these bodyweight exercises, we can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, the you as a strength coach is trying to put you as a physical therapist out of business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'll take it. I honestly enjoy the strength coach part of it better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, Victoria, you did talk a little bit about, you know, some of the fancier exercises and how you don't really need those when you're rehabilitating an injury because, you know, I think the basics, the fundamentals are much more important. Um, But is there a place for some of those fancier exercises? And, And you talked a little bit more about the progression of things and soon you're doing you know, a squat to a one-legged squat to some type of plyometric squat to skipping or running drills, some of those are a little bit fancy. And and you certainly wouldn't want to do that without some preparation. You wouldn't want to do that when you're nursing some pain or an injury. So what are the benefits of some of the fancier exercises, some of the more advanced exercises that do require a bit more coordination?
1: Well, I want to define the term a little bit more too. When I'm I'm talking about like, complex, fancy exercises. I'm talking about like doing a bicep curl while you're doing a squat and then your other leg is going this way. And it's like all of these things happening at once that doesn't necessarily need to happen, but in terms of progression, right? Our body really enjoys variety. And in that sense, that's how you kind of want to progress the exercise. You want to start to add more load to the area you want to also start to mimic running and running includes your core, your upper body's working. There is some kind of coordination that you want to get with the, with the the movement of the arms and the legs. So a lot of the progressions that we're going to see for runners are going to incorporate, you know, making sure that if you start with an exercise like a clamshell lying on your side, eventually you're going to need to progress to a standing single leg position. And I don't even know if I would call that fancy, I would just call it a different way to load the musculature that again, brings it back more to, to a running related um, exercise. So I guess fancy in my eyes is like sometimes, again, I mean, social media, I feel like it does it to itself. But you'll see on social media, like someone holding a weight and doing this other thing with their arm, and then their legs going this way. And I'm like, that's too much. Like, where did that come from? What is that trying to achieve? Right. It comes back to, we always want to think about what, why is this exercise helping our goals and our goals as runners is really to be comfortable on one side of loading one side of the body, right. Standing on one leg while these other forces kind of work on our body. We want to be able to control. So that comes back to control. And if you want to call it like certain <laughs> exercises that I've most fancy, that, you know, I'm going to take that as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I
0: think the fancy exercises are the more advanced exercises that do require the more technical skill because they're, they're probably not best for a beginner to start with. And even for a a fairly fit distance runner would be challenging to do without some additional, um, you know, strength training and, and experience with that. Now, you know, you've talked a lot about progression and how you need variety, you need to gradually increase load. And that just makes me curious, how far can we get with body weight strength training? Are there limitations? And and how I mean, how might we work through some of those limitations?
1: I love that question, because the answer is, it really depends on how creative you are. Um, you can use so many household items to to do the same job that you would going into the gym. So yes, I'm not going to be able to recreate a squat rack in my living room. Like, unfortunately, there are certain limitations that we have in that sense. But when I have my runners going under a squat rack, that's generally, you know, two feet for a squat, right? We can add that same load by allowing for a little bit of elevation. So if we're using a chair and we've now, Taken the exercise into a kind of another dimension. Let's say we're talking about a lunge, right? Now we've added elevation to the exercise, which adds load in a similar way that weights would. So you don't have to have these crazy amounts of weight. You just kind of have to get creative with what you already have. So a chair, a couch, adding that elevated platform, adding different exercises that work on kind of like the control of the trunk. And uh, yeah, I feel like it, it it I mean, at the end of the day, you're not gonna have a squat rack, but you can get pretty damn close with some of the ex classes in terms of creativity. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: now, is it just a matter of? Finding things to add weight to an exercise. I'm curious if there are other ways to progress with some of these exercises. Um, you know, whether it, it, in other words, like how do you make it harder without necessarily adding weight? And I thought it was really interesting with you saying you can use essentially gravity or an elevated platform like a chair to increase the difficulty of certain exercises. And that's great because you're not actually adding weight to the exercise in the traditional sense of the word, but you are certainly adding extra difficulty to the exercise.
1: Yeah. When we talk about weight, we're just talking about adding load to our muscular system. So whatever way we can do that and get creative, I mean, that's that's a great example in terms of adding that elevated platform, but you can also get creative in terms of the exercises that you're doing. So again, when we're talking about runners, we always want to make it More running-specific, so single-leg exercises. So, a single-leg squat would add the same amount of load as a barbell squat. That's double-leg, right? So it's all we all have. We have to put it into perspective and work with what we have. And I could even go and tell you that a single-leg squat could be more challenging um, for a runner than a barbell squat. So, I mean, it depends if you're a a weightlifter and you're looking to you know, go in a competition, I would probably not tell you to do bodyweight exercises forever, but we are runners and we're running specific. And there are so many ways that we can load our muscular system in the same way and prepare ourselves for running with bodyweight exercises. Um, It's just all about the sport that we're trying to imitate, right? So again, I'm not comparing us to bodyweight, like um, weightlifters like going into challenges and actually being asked to really squat heavy weight behind their back, like a single leg squat probably isn't going to do much for you in that sense. But we're talking about runners and we can really challenge runners with many exercises, just using a platform, um, a single kettlebell and the different variations and progressions of exercises that eventually become single legs. But also we can add plyometrics into the conversation, which can again, add this level of difficulty and challenge without adding any equipment. So there's a lot of different ways that, that runners could be challenged. And that's, that's really why it's, it's great that you can do it from home.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can really start wherever you're comfortable and then move up from there. And, and I think having a different, many different Avenues for making these workouts more challenging, I think, is really attractive because yes, you can hold a light kettlebell or maybe add a resistance band to a workout, and that makes it harder. You can add an elevated platform that makes it more challenging. I also really like the idea of adding movement to an exercise that might be otherwise a, a static exercise, like a plank, for example. You know, one of my favorites is when I'm doing a side plank. I like incorporating a series of side leg raises, or I do that thread the needle variation where you're sort of rotating your body and putting your your top arm through the hole that you're making with your torso and the floor underneath you.
1: Exactly. So I think specifically with the, when you're talking about adding different movements to an exercise, again, we have to ask ourselves as runners, why is that important for us to do? And it comes from a coordination, you know, we do use our upper body when we're running, it's, it's working, you're not still in the upper body, and you have to control that motion in the upper body. So specifically, when you're talking about that side plank, with the thread, the needle, the rotation, what are we working there as a runner, we're working our obliques, we're working our glutes from the side plank, but then we're adding that kind of like elevated exercise where now you have to control the rotation of your trunk. And for runners, that's that's exactly what we want to be doing. I think there was a a research study done. Don't ask me for the name and don't ask me to quote it because I don't know where it is. But the marathon runners who, not just marathon runners, the runners who win races are the ones that can control the amount of trunk movement when they're running. They're able to control it so that they're moving forward and not spending time side to side. So when you're adding movements, like for example, a squat with rotation, we are working on controlling the rotation so that when we get to the run, we're not going crazy, right? We're able to actually control that movement and run forward and again, become more efficient as runners. So when we're strictly speaking about runners, that is a huge area that I would eventually want all of my athletes to progress to is being able to control those motions outside of, um, just the simple exercise.
0: Yeah. This really reminds me of a conversation I had with another strength coach and kind of a running forum, uh, expert. And I, I kind of forget who it was. I have two people in mind. I don't want to (laughs) offend either of them. So I'm going to just say a prior podcast guest. But he was saying how it is the runner's responsibility for steering your ship. Your body is your ship and you've got to steer it. And the way that I think about this as a running coach is that there's really two sides of this control issue. Number one, you have to be strong enough to actually do it because there are a, a bunch of different... Scenarios in your running life where you need more control and it's very hard to have that control and and I think of them as number one in any race situation because you're running at a maximum effort it's very challenging, or when you are running a long run, for example, and you're in the final one, two, three miles, and you're just feeling really fatigued that's when your form starts to break down, you start running less efficiently, and the injury risk increases. So I think it's much more important in those scenarios to have very good control of your body. Uh, I also think trail running is another great example of when you are being bombarded by crazy turns and ups and downs and rocks and roots and jumping over things, you really need to control your body in space because there's a lot more varied movement. And you not only have to be aware of it and able to do it from a strength perspective, but you need to kind of know what to do and have that mind muscle connection, that neuromuscular side of things. And and I think the strength work provides both because it does allow you to sort of get in better touch with how you're able to move, what your end ranges are, how you can move in different planes of motion that you typically don't really participate in when you're running. So you could really focus on the frontal plane and work side to side. You know, one of the reasons why I mentioned the side plank with that through the needle rotation is, you know, it is a frontal plane exercise that also has a good healthy dose of that rotational transverse plane in there as well. And anytime we can work in those planes, I think is fantastic for runners for some of those exact reasons. 100%.
1: And I think sometimes runners get caught up with like, oh, well, we're runners, we're moving forward. So why wouldn't we just train our body to keep moving forward? And it's like, you have to look at yourself, you're you're a three dimensional human, right? Just because you're moving forward, doesn't, I know, right? Isn't that shocking? I mean, we might be 2D here, but you have to remember that there are forces acting on you from everywhere, right? And there are muscles working that keep us stable, in that plane as well. So in order to actually improve that forward motion, you have to be able to stabilize in the other motions. So I think that's just a great way for runners to like actually visualize and be like, Oh, that makes sense. Even though there are certain activities that you, that might be running specific because you're moving forward. You also have to train that side to side, the rotational component, um and i just think that's when you really start to see imp- big improvements
0: yeah for sure and the way i think about it too is you know when you are running a race or running on trails and you're turning or you're trying to go around a competitor there's so many different times where you are not just running straight ahead and and i think more specifically what you're trying to do is run as hard as you can mostly straight ahead and what that entails <laughs> is resisting those other forces that are acting on your body the rotational forces from your arms swinging back and forth the frontal plane forces you know if you're if you're making a 180 degree turn or even just a 90 degree turn or running around a competitor in a race your body is going to be kind of pulled in different directions and you need to be able to really steer the ship, counteract some of those forces so that much more of your energy can just be directed straight ahead. And and I think strength training is one of the best ways to really work on that. Besides, you know, getting really fast on the track and and running high mileage and all the things that, of course, are going to make your running better. Strength training is like the perfect complement to it.
1: Yeah, I think it all starts with strength. And, and another benefit of strength training is it's kind of like in a, it's a control, it's, uh, I keep using the word controlled. Maybe I should get a shirt that says control on it. It's a controlled setting in the sense that like when you're out and running, your body, you're kind of in this zone, right? It's like this motor control thing where you're just going, going, going. You don't even know if you're compensating. When you're strength training, and I think this is also a big link, and this is what I tell a lot of my athletes, it's like, you're training with intention, you're in this bubble where you're actually thinking, like, how am I working each muscle, and am I making sure that I'm getting the benefit of this exercise, instead of just mindlessly going through it, right? So that's when we really start to see the the correlation between, you know, bringing that control, where it starts in the strength room, into kind of that, like, you're listening to your music and you're going out but your body knows it because you've done it in that controlled setting
0: yeah and i'm probably like a lot of runners that i sometimes put on a podcast or music or something like that when i'm doing my my strength work at home whether i'm just doing some body weight stuff or i'm you know using a kettlebell or something like that and i go through phases where i'm very intentional about things and then a couple months later i'm just going through the motions and I always can tell when I redouble my efforts on actually doing the movements properly on not just, you know, doing the reps as quickly as I can. Let's get to the next exercise. I need something to do. I got to go talk to Victoria. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when I get more intentional about things, it makes them like twice as hard. And, and it really reinforces the fact that Wow, I need to actually do these properly, or I'm likely getting very little of the benefit here.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that and that's kind of—I mean—we're all guilty of it as runners because that's really what we're chasing from the run is like being able to kind of get into this place in your mind where you're just you're just running. It's the it's kind of the best feeling. But unfortunately, when it comes to strength training, or fortunately because it does eventually make the running better, that is the time that you kind of have to put your mind to it. But it doesn't have to be for hours at a time, right? It can just be it can it can be twenty minutes. That's it. Right? And it can be the very basic exercises. You don't have to strength train for hours on end, right? It can be maybe even a 30 minute workout where you're not thinking could have been a 15 minute workout where you're actively thinking about each exercise. So um, when you look at it that way, then you're more inclined to be like, okay, let me actually focus on this set. And then I only have to do two sets instead of five sets, right?
0: Yeah, that was like today. I did a combined total (laughs) of 13 minutes worth of core work and divided it up in two sets. Many of the listeners will know I did two sets of the standard core routine, which is my bread and butter core workout for runners. If you haven't tried it, check it out. It's on Strength Running or YouTube, but I, I really love this routine. But uh, I was very much re- reminded of the fact that 13 minutes can feel like an eternity if you are being super intentional with your core work. And, uh, I think that's good mental training as well. If for nothing else,
1: hundred percent, (laughs) a hundred percent, I completely agree. But yeah, it can be so shocking when you actually put your mind to it. Oh man, this is tough. (laughs) But we also have to think about the fact that our bodies are really good at compensating. And I think we forget about that. And that's the same thing. That's kind of what gets us into trouble with our running is, we can just be mindlessly doing something and our body just completely shifts things around because maybe there's a previous injury that we've dealt with and our body remembers and it doesn't want to deal with it, doesn't want to push through that. And maybe the best thing is to kind of push through it. So that's another benefit of just training mindfully um, is you actually work your body the way you want it to work. You get in the benefit of the exercise and you're not just kind of going into those compensations and favoring them.
0: Yeah, I love that. You're not building fitness on top of dysfunction. Is a great phrase. I love.
1: I love that. Exactly.
0: Now, Victoria, I want to ask you a loaded question. Yeah, we've talked a lot about different bodyweight exercises. We've mentioned a couple of what you think are the important ones. If you had to choose a handful of your favorite bodyweight exercises for runners, maybe a, a top three or a top five, what might those be?
1: I love this question because it comes down to the basics. This is when, this is when runners are like, really, you chose those exercises. So maybe I'll put a spin on this and explain why they're also my favorite exercises. Um, So number one, squats. They're my favorite because if you think about what the squat motion is, you're bending at the knee, you're bending at the hip and you're loading that ankle, knee and hip joint, right? That is what we want to do in terms of translating it to running i want to take it a step further i'd probably say the single leg squat is even better but just in general let's put it into the squat family right number one number two deadlifts why is a deadlift important for me in a deadlift you are loading that posterior chain you have your actually some of your back muscles you have your glutes you have your hamstrings those are the powerhouse in running right that is what allows you to sprint It allows you to push forward in your stride. Very important muscles that are very well loaded in a deadlift exercise. Again, specifically with the single leg deadlift, when we start talking about there, we add a little bit of challenge with our foot and ankle musculature. Um, So again, we're just specifically working on the muscles that keep us stable and move us forward in the running stride. Number three, I'm going to put an umbrella again over heel raises. So we have standing and um, bent knee heel or straight knee and bent knee heel raises. Why are those important? I think mainly because oh, the calves, I mean, in, when a runner is pushing off, the soleus, which is one of the calf muscles that you work in, the bent knee heel raise, produces the most force comparative to its size out of any other muscle in the body. So man, does that have to be strong? right? Single leg and bent knee heel raises are such great exercises that really require very minimal equipment to work on. And you can do them any time of day. So number three. Number four, I'm kind of going to go a little bit differently with this and say the Copenhagen plank. What? Yes. The Copenhagen plank is, it's also known as the adductor plank. Um, So that is when you put, how can I describe this? Let's say there's a chair And you put, you're on your side, you put your top leg on top of the chair and you push your hips up. So your weight is on that top leg. You're working the groin muscles or the adductors. It's a very challenging exercise. It is very under-prescribed for runners. The adductor is the only muscle in the body that is active throughout your entire gait pattern when you're running. So it needs to be very strong and it needs to have good endurance. And I- don't see a lot of runners training it, so that would be my number four. Number five, God, do I have to stop at five? I'll stop at five. <laughs> <laughs> number five is the side plank. So a side plank, it's simple. You can do it anywhere. You don't need equipment, and it is hard. And it loads again. We kind of went back into. Uh, we're going back into our discussion about you know being able to control um, your movement, you want to run forward, but you don't want to have a lot of side to side. That's what the side plank works on all of the, the outside of the glute muscles, the obliques to be able to control that motion so that you become more efficient. Um, and yeah, those are my five.
0: (laughs) I love it. And I got to say, I don't think I've really tried the Copenhagen plank when you have your, your legs kind of up on a stool, very much in the last couple of years. And I've got to retry that because the other thing I love about all these exercises, we haven't even really talked about this, but it really allows you to pinpoint your individual weaknesses. So it's almost like a screening tool. You know, if something is really hard for you. So for example, right now I'm having a little bit of a wonky left hamstring and I can tell when I'm doing. Uh, this exercise called the supine leg lift, where it's basically the opposite of a plank. Your 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 butt is against the ground, and then you lift yourself up. My left hamstring is killing me, and I realize, oh, it's because it's likely gotten weak, and that's why it's hurting. and And I really need to work on that.
1: Right. And and there is also something to be said about like it might honestly not be weak. It might just be there's something that's irritating it that's not allowing it to work. The way that we'd want it to work. And I think that's a huge dis- distinction, kind of going back to rehab and prehab, is like sometimes there's little niggles, of, wiggles of pain that you're feeling, and it's not necessarily a full-blown injury, but there are certain exercises like the one that you were discussing that can just kind of activate the muscle and allow it to work the way we want it to again without becoming a full-blown injury, right? And that's really where body weight exercises come into play as well.
0: Yeah, I love that because a lot of the times the pain that you're experiencing in whatever muscle it might be, it, that doesn't mean that you have a problem in that muscle. And so I know I was kind of blaming my hamstring for my hamstring pain, but it could very much be my left glute, which I know I've had trouble with in the past. And that's why I think any injury treatment or rehabilitation program is got to be a little bit more well-rounded and comprehensive than a lot of runners might initially think, because, you know, if you've got a, a glute problem, you're not going to go in there and just work on that one glute. You're probably going to take a more holistic approach and really work on a lot of the surrounding muscles and you're going to check mobility on the other leg. And, and I think that's just a good reminder for runners that, you know, we should always be thinking a little bit more holistically and from a comprehensive perspective, because then, you know, we're not just, Reducing our injury risk when we're healthy, but if we are treating something we're much more likely to be actually getting to the root cause of whatever's causing our pain
1: Yeah, and I really like what you just mentioned there because it could also be when we're talking about runners, right? We we immediately start to blame like the hip musculature if you're having a hamstring issue, but again bring it back to running It could be that the calf is not doing its job. And this isn't one of those games where I'm like, you press here and it's actually because my pinky finger is broken or something. No, it's more like, let's actually look at what muscles are activating at what time. The calf has to take on a lot of load. If it's not doing its job, the hamstrings take over, the glute takes over. Maybe that's why the hamstrings bothering you. So that's also why I picked those five exercises because you're addressing the major muscle groups that are working for runners. And I'm not talking about football players. I'm not talking about rugby players, right? It's a whole other set of things. I'm talking specifically about runners. And that's where we can start to kind of make those connections between, um, the strength work and the running and why it's important.
0: Yeah. I won't be publishing this to the strength football (laughs) podcast. (laughs) It'll be on the strength running podcast. (laughs) You know,
1: they, they, they would be lucky to have it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, Victoria, one final question for you. I want to get back to the true beginner, someone who maybe hasn't started with strength training at all, body weight or otherwise what are some words of wisdom or how would you get this person started with some simple strength work at home?
1: Yeah, well, I think the hardest part is starting. And I think the, the best thing that you can do is just set aside 15 to 20 minutes twice a week, Put it that, write it down in your calendar and start with the basics, right? And just work on those. And it doesn't even have to be like, three sets of 10 of everything getting really boring, make it fun, you know, do do whatever those exercises that you feel in terms of like the strength when it comes back to the basics, but just get it done. Just start somewhere. And I think it all comes down to the scheduling and I know it can seem very overwhelming, especially with a packed running schedule. But like I said, look at your calendar, find two days a week, 20 minutes, and, That's all you need. That's all you need to start. Don't let people tell you that you have to do four or five days a week of strength work in order to make it feel like you've done something because it's just not true. So I think it seems less daunting when you you look at it in those terms when it's like, oh, it's just 20 minutes out of my day and it's a time limit. It's not like I have to get through this number of exercises. I'm just going to resort to that. And I think, honestly, a lot of runners, what happens is they start to really like it and they start to see the benefits in their running. Um, So I think that's a great way to start.
0: Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's much like running itself, where I think runners have to get through maybe the first four to six weeks or so of starting to run. And then you're probably going to start to like it because it's not always so difficult. And maybe even more importantly, you've built the habit of going out there consistently to do it. And so once you've done that with strength training, you're going to start to like the way that it makes you feel. It's going to become a consistent habit of yours. And I think that uh, is really exciting. I know I said it was the last question, but I got one more for you because you did talk a little bit about scheduling. Um, Do you think this kind of work is so important that if a runner can't fit it into their schedule, would you say, well, we're going to cut four miles from your total running volume this week so that you have two 15 to 20 minute blocks of time during the week to actually get in this work. Is it that valuable?
1: So that for that question, I want to answer. Yes is my ultimate answer, but really it depends. It depends on the runner and their goal. So let's say a runner is coming to me and they have, and they're injured right? And this is usually what happens. They're injured. They don't know what to do. I would say absolutely a thousand percent. Yes, we have to take down the running. We have to add in the strength, right? But sometimes it's a little bit more nuanced. Sometimes a runner comes to me and they're in week, you know, 14 of their marathon training plan and they want to add in strength. At that point, I look at it both ways. Why are we adding in strength? Are you injured? Is something going on where we have to change it? If not, Let's wait for you to get through that cycle of training, complete your marathon, and then start with a strength plan, right? You don't want to just add it in randomly into your running plan and expect it to be like the best thing ever. You actually have to look at your goals, look at where you're at in terms of your training. And I always recommend runners to not be in the middle of a training cycle when they first start strength right? You want to kind of like understand it a little bit or at least have a couple weeks of, of getting it together with your run schedule versus coming to a strength and conditioning coach two weeks before you have a marathon, <laughs> right? So I think, I feel like that's kind of common sense, but uh, from some of the questions I've gotten, <laughs> sometimes it's not. <laughs>
0: I think it's a good point because you have to, I think, recognize that the benefits of strength training feeling comfortable with it really feeling that you're getting something from it and and really physiologically actually getting something from it is going to take three to four weeks and so if you're that close to the end of your training cycle then you know it's just like what's the point you're you're really just going to make yourself tired and and you're not going to get the full benefits of that so I think that's a, a good distinction right there.
1: Yeah. And that's really what I mean. I think in general, if you're talking to a runner who doesn't really have any races on the schedule, really enjoys going out for their runs and doesn't really want to take away from their running right now, I would say take away for a little bit with the promise and, and the understanding that the running is going to come back and it's going to feel better when it does. So take the time in the beginning to learn the exercise and get comfortable, maybe bring down some mileage, make time for it, because in the end, you're going to have a lot more time for running and you're going to feel much better doing it.
0: For sure. It's kind of like how I said it earlier. It enables me to do what I love, which is running, which is the entire point of me actually doing some strength work. Exactly. Victoria, this was so fun. I think you make a a topic for runners that we are a little hesitant about exciting and, and something that we should be looking forward to. Uh, I want to point folks to... All the great resources that you have. I mean, your Instagram account, I think, is incredible. Uh, you're at Train Smart Run Strong. Your website is also Train Smart Run Strong. Is there anywhere else that uh, runners can connect with you?
1: Yeah, no, those are the two main platforms that I have right now. Um, I don't know if I'll. I mean, I technically am on TikTok, but it's really just for research for my for my Instagram. So. You don't have to follow me on there, but yeah, Instagram, definitely. That's where you're going to find updates to my website and everything. Um, So if you have an Instagram, start there.
0: Excellent. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, and all of your wisdom today. It's so appreciated.
1: Thank you so much. This was awesome.
0: There it is, everyone. Victoria is one of my favorite people to learn from, and she has so many resources for runners, from training advice to specific strength workouts and injury guidance. Check her out at trainsmartrunstrong.com or you can find her on Instagram at trainsmartrunstrong. We have links to all of these resources on strength running and for our best strength training advice. If you wanna geek out like me and go down this rabbit hole, go to strengthrunning.com strength. And be sure to follow along with strength running over the next few weeks. I'm announcing an all new project that focuses on, you guessed it, Body weight strength training. <laughs> Finally, I do want to thank our sponsor, Inside Tracker, for their support. I love this company. Inside Tracker is one of the most reputable personal blood testing companies that you can find. They were founded way back in 2009 by a collection of scientists, aging, genetics, and biometric scientists. And their goal was to help you analyze your body's data and get a firm idea of how well you're responding to training. Understanding your body's biomarkers from stress hormones like cortisol to your testosterone levels, even your vitamin D levels can all help you figure out if you're overtraining, if you're undertraining, if you're optimally training, or if you just have a health issue that might be affecting your running. But the best part is that Once you get your results, then they give you personalized optimal ranges for each of these biomarkers and a whole host of ways to improve them through diet, lifestyle, or exercise changes. I have personally gotten three of their ultimate tests, and I love it. The process is simple. It's very easy, and it's very eye-opening, especially if you haven't done a deep dive on your biomarkers yet. Go to insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. You can see how you can get twenty-five percent off site-wide on any personalized blood test that they offer. Of all the investments you can make in your running, this one is like getting a detailed checkup or regularly scheduled maintenance for your internal physiology. It's a wonderful opportunity, and you can see all the details at insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. That's our show, runners. Thank you for being here, and we'll be in touch soon.